Time for a break from our show to pay the bills. Check out beacons.ai slash comics fund profit for all the C4 FAP links you could ever need all in one place. You can provide feedback, listen, support, share, enjoy these. We have our Patreon there. You can buy us a beer or a coffee. You can check out our Instagrams, our Twitters, our Facebooks. Check out our YouTube page. You can email us. You can listen to our podcasts on Patreon, if you're a subscriber, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on Podbean. We have Google Podcasts on there. We have an Amazon wish list. You want to buy Kyle and I something? Fine. You can do that here. We appreciate it. We have Kyle's RPG podcast listed on there, so you can check out his Dork Day Afternoon offerings. We have Cowabunga links, so you can check out the Cowabunga Deep Discount FOC and Pre-Order list. Get on that. That's RLCS, so you can check that out as well. And we want to just give you opportunities to say hi, to check out what we're doing, support us if you would like, or just listen. Check out beacons.ai slash comics fund profit for all the C4 FAP links you could ever need. Thanks. Back to the show. Aloha. This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer and artist Xavier Saxton. He is here to promote his Comicsology Originals graphic novel, Night at the Belfry. It is now available on Comicsology. Xavier, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, thank you. Very, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much. Now, bef- now, listeners, before we start the interview, you know, I want to give a big shout out to Pamela Horvath of Superfan Promotion. Pamela, thank you very much for setting up this interview. And thank you very much for the advanced copy, um, sending me an advanced copy, you know, of this incredible amazing original graphic novel so pamela thank you very much i'm going to ask xavier would you like to add anything to that uh yes thank you pamela it's it's been really helpful having like a promotional theme as someone who doesn't really know what they're doing you know mm-hmm. my first book and kind of having people to help set up interviews and, and schedule things like this has been a huge help oh no but yeah so again pamela thank you very much now before i start jumping in um, to our interview, I just want to um, let listeners know I did get some information about Xavier from the YouTube podcast um, from the um, from some of his past interviews that he's done um, from other podcasts or written articles, um, such as the YouTube podcast True North Country Comics. Um, that was about I would say I think he I think Xavier I think that was back sometime in October. If I, I forgot to write down the date on that, but I know. You've done one recently. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then also, too, um, um, Barbara Dillon, a fan of the show, a fan based press. Um, um, she did a um, written um, interview article with you. Um, and that was dated back on November 1st of um, 2022. So, listeners, if you guys get a chance, if you want more, you know, um, if you want, you know, please check out, you know, please, you know, check out those interviews. Um, that Xavier has done in the past. It's great, you know, like I've checked out the YouTube, the True North um, Country Comics podcast, that's great. And also if you get a chance, please you know, read Barbara's um, interview with Xavier. And like I said, that's great as well too. Now, Xavier, I'm gonna ask, where can listeners follow you on social media? Uh, I do have a Instagram and Twitter account. 
They are Xavier underscore Saxon underscore. I do not yet have a website, but I've purchased a domain name. So I'm going at some point I will have a website, but uh, you know, that that will be XavierSaxon.com at some point. Okay. Gotta cool. actually make the website now. Because I know it's a good thing to have a website like separate from, from social media, so you don't really have to rely on these platforms, but uh yes. gotta build that. Ah, okay. All right. And now Xavier, I'm just going to start with your origin story. So where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I live in Montreal now, but it, Halifax, it's an East Coast city in Canada. You know, I, I don't know the population. A couple hundred thousand, maybe, hundred thousand mm-hmm. people. So yeah, that's where, that's where I grew up. Oh, okay. All right. Now, I'm good. Now, I'm just going to, this is a general question. Like, you know, do you remember what was your first comic book? Sunday comics that you read, you know, as a kid? Well, I definitely read a lot of like uh, newspaper comic strips. I remember reading a lot of Garfield as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Foxtrot. Fox I don't know if you know that. It's like a oh, yes. newspaper strip um, by Bill Amon, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really liked those. Read a lot of Archie too. Oh, nice. And then um, kind of superhero comics got into those later after mm-hmm. the, the superhero movies became popular. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, the first uh, superhero comic that I bought was Captain America from from 2011 by Ed Brubaker and Steve McNiven, mm-hmm. which, yeah, they had assigned a, a copy at the store. So I picked that up and I learned that Steve McNiven lived in Halifax as well. So that was pretty cool. Oh, that was nice. Okay, I'm just now, before I get to my next question, that um, I just have to ask off-the-cuff question. So do you remember how much that, art, uh, that autograph copy was? I mean, for Brubaker and McNiven autograph how much was if you remember correct if you well it was just it was just mcniven's autograph and it was yeah it was um just regular cover price i I remember bringing it up and asking like is this more expensive because it's signed and they're like no because because steve mcniven's from around here so you know he just comes in and do signing sometimes and that's how i learned that yeah he's from around here holy cow (laughs) wow that's pretty cool (laughs) that that is you know it was mostly I was partially drawn to it just because it was a signed copy, so I thought that was cool. Yeah. And then, so my next question: Have you ever met Steve McNiven, whether at the store? I have or met at Steve the... McNiven. Oh. <laughs> he was the first, um, like, professional artist to review my portfolio after. Um, so I think it was like the summer after I graduated high school. I went to the comic book store, kind of thinking. I, I guess I got the impression that, that they actually knew Steve personally. Yeah. So I asked them if they knew him and if he would be willing to do a portfolio review for me. So he actually came to the store to review my portfolio. So it wasn't even at a convention or anything. So it's pretty incredible that he, wow. you know, was willing to do this for somebody who he didn't know. And, you know, my, my samples weren't, weren't that great, but he gave like some really good, like practical advice more, more so than just, you know, keep working at it, but stuff like, you know, you're, you're relying on the ruler too much or. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that I could actually use. So that was really helpful. And it was nice just to see a professional willing to. Yeah. Look at my work like that. That is so, that is really nice of him to do that. Like you said, to literally take the time to come down to the store and just sit and talk yeah. to you for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. It was after the store was closed and everything. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's nice. That is... I have not met him since then, but yeah, maybe I'll run into him somewhere. Okay, that is so nice. Um, okay, let's see. Um, 
um, I'm going to ask, do you remember the name of the comic book store that you, that you bought your car? Was that your look? Was that your regular comic book store when you were growing up? Yeah, it was. Um, it was strange. It's strange adventures in Halifax. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. still open, but it's a, it's a new location. They, when I started going there, it, it, they had this old location in the basement of this building. It was like a dungeon. There was like, <laughs> yes, these, these very like small windows, dim lighting. I think the door to get into the actual store was only like five and a half feet tall. <laughs> so it was very dungeon like. I, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of comic book stores used to be like that. And, and now they have a more, uh, I don't know, I guess friendly. Yes, yes. <laughs> friendlier <laughs> storefront. Yes. But I, you know, kind of miss that, that old, old location. Oh, uh, okay. I, I'm just. But yeah, asked... it's a great store. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm asking. I know you said you live in Montreal now. Do you have a current um, comic book store that you go to? Um, I don't have a reserve. I had a pull list at a comic book store called Crossover Comics mm-hmm. in St. Henry, Montreal, which is a really good store. But I just recently moved a bit further away, so I, I have yet to set up another one. Oh. But my new local store is Millennium Comics, mm-hmm. which um, I think Wes Craig, who, who did Deadly Class, also goes there. Oh, So, so that's cool. Uh, I've only been there a couple of times, but, it, but it's a really nice store as well. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. So I'm going to continue on. So, you know, um, you know, you know, um, you know, uh, I'm going to ask, like, how did how did your journey start started working in comics? How did that start? Because I know, like you already mentioned about, you know, you already showed after high school, you showed your portfolio to Steve McNiven. I'm just asked, did you continue on with, you know, any other uh, classes or anything or? Uh, Yeah, so. I that when I showed uh, Steve my portfolio, I was attending the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design in Halifax. So I was, I think I was just taking part time mm-hmm. classes there. Yeah, I wasn't uh, doing a degree for some reason. I I don't know. I was kind of a, not against getting a degree, but just thought I you know it's a lot of money, and I don't know if all those classes will be helpful. So I'll just register for the classes that I specifically think will help me. Yes. become a comic book artist yeah so um i was doing painting and drawing classes um and then i went so i attended nascad for a year in halifax and then i moved to montreal and started going to concordia university part-time where i took more painting and drawing classes and they actually had a graphic novel writing course that i took too so that yeah so that was very helpful as well and then after that i I guess I figured I, I got enough from university and just started working, you know, part time in, in, in a few uh, at a few different places and, and just drawing comics on the side mm-hmm. and like trying trying to make my own comics. I, I guess I got the impression that I probably wasn't going to become a professional artist just by doing sample pages. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of the times that's not really how it's done these days, like going to conventions and showing samples. It's more like you, you should just make something yourself. Mm-hmm. So I was really trying to do that. And um so I was working on this this comic book. It was a funny animal comic. Like it was like a murder mystery funny animal comic. Uh-huh. And I just took a picture of one of the pages from from that comic and I tweeted it at um Jeff Lemire asking him you know cuz I I was going to be in uh, I think Toronto the next month for for Fan Expo or something. Uh-huh. So I sent him a picture of one of my pages and I was like, hey, would you want to review my portfolio? Or would you be willing to review my portfolio when I'm tr- in Toronto? 
and he actually sent me a message back and said, you know, that my page looked cool <laughs> and that he'd be willing to uh, have a look at my stuff. And, and that turned into him kind of uh, really like vouching for my work to other to, yes. to publishers and things like that. So he was the one who put me in connection with um, Comixology. So when I eventually, you know, came up with a different pitch for this current book, Night of the Belfry. Yes. I, I sent it over to Comixology and yeah, that, that's how I got in touch with them. Oh, that is so cool. Okay. And that's a perfect segue to go into Night at the Belfry. Now, you know, for listeners, you know, can I, you know, for the listeners, let me ask, what is the story about? So Night of the Belfry is about James Ransom, who's this 70-something-year-old retiree and former amateur boxer. Mm -hmm. And after a couple, you know, a series of incidents, he kind of comes to realize that he's he's not as strong or, or you know, as he, as he once was. He doesn't have as much autonomy and freedom. Mm -hmm. He's living with his daughter, who he feels is a bit overbearing. Mm -hmm. And he decides to, to hatch this scheme to organize this series of kind of illegal underground boxing matches yes. that take place mm -hmm. in the bell tower of the church across across the street from his apartment mm -hmm. with the idea that one of these fights will eventually mm -hmm. lead to his death, that mm -hmm. whoever wins this fight will kill him. And that's sort of his way of wanting to go out on his own terms mm -hmm. and, and take control of his life again. Yes. Yes. I, and, you know, again, that's perfect segue to go into what inspired you to write about, because the night of the Belfry, um, we, we talked to before we started recording. I mean, there's some heavy subject matters in this story. I mean, like what inspired you to touch upon these heavy subjects about, I mean, about loss, about like, you know, as you said, you know, Jim, you know, he's in his seventies. He's like, his health is declining. He lost his independence. Um, and, and also too, there's a little bit of, um, for him, there's a little bit of regret too, as well, because as you mentioned, he was, he was like an amateur boxer and there's a little bit of regret and I'm not going to, I don't want to give too much of the story away, but there's a little bit about, there's some regrets in there in his life. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that it was really a plan to start writing about these kind of dark things. Cause I, I started uh, basically making the book. Yes. Mm -hmm. While I was I was drawing it while writing it at the same mm -hmm. time, so I wasn't really sure where the story was going. I just had the character, and I thought, okay, I'll put the character in this scene. Yes. And that's kind of just where the book naturally led. But um, yeah, I was a bit nervous about writing about kind of um, the really dark stuff because you you want to handle that stuff pretty well. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be easy to do it mm -hmm. to do it wrong or, or yes. you know make it offensive in some way. So I, I tried to be really careful about, about a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But I, I can't say I know for sure what exactly inspired it. I mentioned, um, like, in the back matter of the book, um, talking about Hunter S. Thompson, the, the yes. writer. Yes. Who, who, yeah, committed suicide after essentially just being tired of, of being old. And I thought that mm -hmm. was kind of, kind of, I don't know, scary and, and interesting, too. And I wanted to explore that that feeling i guess in a book mm -hmm. yeah but yeah that, that, that is something you got to be careful with i guess when, when you're writing something like that yes and the thing is too is that um because i 
you know, because I know, because and for some listeners who don't know who Hunter S. Thomas is, uh, and, and please feel free to correct me, Xavier, at any point that Hunter S. Thomas, you know, is that famous writer, you know, one of his um, books that he wrote, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, that now that became a movie, I, I want to say back in the mid-2000s, I can't remember. Um, but um, I remember looking, getting some information on Wikipedia, is that, you know, when he was growing older, he would frequently mutter to, to people that this kid is getting old. Because, you know, I because I, I, yeah, that because I know he was going through some health issues and so forth like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's, that's definitely where some of James came from. It was just someone who really did not want to be old, who would rather die than, than be yes. old and, and kind mm -hmm. of lose that autonomy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I actually haven't read any of Hunter S. Thompson's stuff, but I just, yeah, I learned about that part of him and, and, you know that uh, that definitely i guess uh led me to write about some of this stuff and then i and xavier i'm going to add this on i, I know it's not in the uh, in the questions i sent but i just want to point out too that um like you handled the subject matter very well of you know um how jim wanted to go on his own terms and the things i i also want to point out that it's very good because how you help how you dealt with that it's very it's really good because also too um he he hooks back up with one of his old trainers maurice you mm -hmm. know who trained him god like he said back you know jim said back in the 80s and you know he, he has maurice help set up these these you know illegal fights but also too i think what was very good too is that you also had maurice as kind of that voice of reasoning like hey you know i I'm not a therapist. Maybe, maybe you should go get help yeah. or something, you know. But I, but the, but that's good that you kind of handled it, you know, very well because, again, part of it, Maurice seems a little, he, he's got a little bit of a seedy background. <laughs> I don't want to give the story away, but, but yet at the same time, again, he goes, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, Jim, you know, what you're doing, yeah. Uh, Try to get some help. Go, go, go! Talk to somebody else. Let's not do this. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is saying that. He's also, but he is, you know, also going along with his plan. So there's a bit of selfishness there. But it, yes. it also, um, I like having him in the story. It, it kind of gives an example of someone who is in a similar position to to Jim. Like, is even older than Jim, That's but right. is a lot more, a lot happier with their situation. Who's yes. a lot better adjusted and and kind of accepting of old age. Mm -hmm. And I thought having, you know, those two personalities would, would be pretty interesting. That's right. You're right. I'm, that's right. That's nice because that's right. Because when, because Maurice still has his boxing gym, he still has mm -hmm. his gym. He's just, he still runs it. That's right. Yeah. And he's kind of accepted, you know, this more background managerial mm -hmm. role. Yes. And, uh, you know, he, he's not fighting old age in the same way that the gym is. That's right. That's a that's a very good point because I kept wondering why Maurice and Jim in their scenes they always they 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 weren't they were they were like the that perfect um, buddy couple you know that they always <laughs> bounce each other yeah. out and like because when I was reading it, I couldn't figure out what because they had a very good chemistry and I couldn't figure out what it was until thank you very much for pointing that out yeah so, all right yeah I like I like writing them two together. 
it's kind of one of the few times where you see James happy in the books is, is when he's hanging out with Maurice, having a good time and training. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going to ask um, 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 yeah, how did you come up with the title? Because I, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say, please don't, and like this is kind of off the cuff comment, but Night at the Belfry sounds more like um, it, 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 um, it, 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 because when I think of Night at the Belfry, I keep thinking it's either going to be some type of 1930s comedy or some type of a 1930s horror movie. But but I'm gonna but yeah. So I'm gonna ask for you, where did you come up with this title? Um, the title was was pretty early, and it didn't didn't change. It was just I don't know. I guess I like the simplicity of it. But it, to me, it also sounded like um, kind of one of those old boxing promo posters that uh -huh. you would see you know, advertising a boxing match. And it would be like, Night at the Belfry, go see these two fighters, oh, you know, nice. you get out. But yeah, I did realize, you know, maybe it sounds more like a, a comedy special or something like that. But, you know, I, th I think it works as both. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, yeah. Okay, now, um, you mentioned in the back matter, and I love the back matter that you have, is that, you know, um, you know, the early drawings of Jim, um, the pictures of the church, you know, because if I remember correctly, I think you live close to the church that you use in the book, you know, um, and and I know you mentioned other stuff. Now, in the back matter, you mentioned that you don't have much interest in boxing. Now, I'm just going to ask, may I ask, why did you use boxing as, as like a major part of the story? I can't, I can't really remember uh, where you you know how I came up with that exactly because uh -huh. yeah I'm not a big boxing fan I don't know a lot about boxing mm -hmm. but um I, I guess it kind of it kind of worked as a good visual metaphor you know you, you can see exactly how you know you can show this image of him in his youth as this strong yes. powerful boxer and where he is now yes and um in, in a relatively short story it's just a good way to visually indicate where, where he's come like he's a lot smaller now and he mm -hmm. feels smaller yeah, in a lot of different ways mm -hmm. and having the box having um, yeah him get back into boxing with in his current situation it's yeah he, he's he's just putting himself back in, in in i guess situations that he would have been when he was younger but in his with his current um uh you know body and, and mind and mm -hmm. yeah I, I i'm not sure but yeah i think it's a good um it has a good, like I said, visual metaphor of just showing his decline or, or what he sees as his decline. Mm -hmm. You know, he puts so much value in being physically strong or, or you know, and that's that's kind of an unhealthy thing to put too much power in mm -hmm. because, you yes. know, you're not going to always be. Yes. You're not going to always have the same physical strength as you do in your youth. Yes. But he kind of put his entire person he built his whole personality around it yes mm -hmm. and when it inevitably went away you kind of you know yeah it's like his world just collapsed yes oh yes okay um i'm going to no now again i'm not going to spoil because just listening and talk about this and again no spoilers so listeners i encourage you to check this um you know this um comicsology original um because 
throughout the story, there is little, um, because now I get it, because there's some scenes where it's like, now I know why, and we'll talk after the, after the, you know, after the recording. Now I know why there's some scenes are in the book and it makes sense. It does. I'm not, like I said, we'll, we'll get to it in a bit. We'll get to it afterwards. But he, and it's really nice. It, it, it's a nice, it's a, um, you know, Xavier, I just talking to you, it's nice to see the contrast of, you know, again, you know, you know, uh, of, you know, what Jim represents, you know, um, he's having a hard time accepting where he is in his life at this point, whereas Maurice, who's a little bit older in him, is a little, has accepted where he is in his life. Mm -hmm. And then also, too, how Jim, you know, is looking back at his, quote unquote, his glory days as an amateur boxer, you know, um, you know, um, and then, you know, throughout the story, it, it, there's little, um, subtle hints of, um, is that there's a nice contrast in there as well. And like I said, we'll talk after more of the recording, but I want the readers to, um, when they read it to see it. So yeah, it's great. Um, now I'm going to, you know, I've already mentioned about, you know, um, in the back matter that, you know, you live, um, that you're, that you, now correct me if I'm, you still live near a church or the church, you're still, um, the church is in your area, you know? Basically, yeah, the, like the whole setting of the book is, is where I lived, like his apartment okay. was, was my apartment that I lived in, mm -hmm. the, like the interiors and the exteriors. I guess I'm not very creative when it comes to setting, so I, I just literally drew my apartment my street the church mm -hmm. across the street from me and yeah I, I think that did help make the world feel kind of tangible and real because i'm just drawing what's really there mm -hmm. but yeah in, in the in the back of the book you can see i, I put some some photographs of the real locations mm -hmm. and i had to change things a bit the church is a bit simplified because yeah. it's a very elaborate design in real yeah. life the church and i have to draw it a lot so i'm like okay well these pillars with all these in intricate designs on them, I'll just make them regular pillars. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's fine. Um, because and um, because because again, visually, you know, I love, you know, the visually, it's the you know because um, I think like I think because I I, I read it, you know, the uh, the advanced copy on my computer, and I think one page it just shows the church as it, it it's very magnificently drawn. It really is. Um, yeah, I like drawing the church from those, you know, the full shots of it, where you get to see the whole building. Yeah, a couple times in the book where I get to do that at different scales. Yes, you know, I think the last page is like a big picture. You get to see it. Yes, and then so those are definitely <laughs> challenging. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you, um, what is the importance of the belfry to Jim? What what is you know, because because I take it that where Jim was living, the, the church was right across it was near where he lives. Or correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really make it clear how long he's been living in, in that specific apartment. Yeah. But he mentions that, you know, when he was working as a postman, he used to walk right by this church every single day or every yes. week. Yes. And it's again, just the, the, this kind of monolith from his youth. That's, that stayed the same structurally. Mm -hmm. It's this towering thing. And, you know, when he used to walk by it, I guess it used to represent something hopeful for him. 
mm-hmm. but now he's older and he, he's shrunken down mm-hmm. and this this church is still the same it's this, mm-hmm. it's this massive thing mm-hmm. and i guess to him when he sees that he just thinks of uh missed opportunities and things that that he didn't do and um his his idea of having the boxing matches in, in, in this church belfry is like, he wants to conquer it. He wants to live up to all those, nice. those things mm-hmm. that he, uh, mm-hmm. all these aspirations from his youth. Mm-hmm. That is nice. Um, and I have to comment, you know, um, and correct me, I, I know there's one nice um, panel, um, you know, of Jim basically first fight in the belfry it's one of those shots from above looking down where you see Jim is like in quote unquote one quarter and his opponent Phil that they found is in another corner and mm-hmm. Maurice is, it, it, it's just, it just captures, you know, you know, um, those nice um, TV shots of looking down into the, literally in the boxing ring. It, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, Allison who, who did the edit, who edited the book. She really pushed me to change the camera angles a lot mm-hmm. for the yes. panels because there were a couple scenes of talking heads or, or just two characters talking mm-hmm. where in the original draft, it was just all from one angle, you know, mm-hmm. their their faces one by one mm-hmm. or maybe a, a wide shot of both of them. And, and she really pushed me to kind of move the camera around and be more dynamic in these scenes, even mm-hmm. when not much is happening. Yes. So if it's a, a scene of just, yeah, two, two of them standing opposite corners they're not even doing anything yet but you want to try to show it in an interesting way yes i have to say but that boxing that boxing scene yeah. image of them, it captured the spirit of like this is a box yeah, you can ring. see how it kind of looks like a boxing ring yeah yeah it's really it's great it's very beautiful. i guess that's where the idea of, of the church bell tower came from too mm-hmm. it's just seeing it in real life and thinking oh that kind of looks like it could be a boxing ring Mm-hmm. you know it's got the it's got the waist high railings yes and everything that's right yeah all right so um now correct me if i'm wrong you know i now this is your um debut in comics is that correct mm-hmm. yeah now how'd you feel when you first saw your name after it was like digitally published or digitally on comiXology how did you feel? Uh, yeah, it was really cool. One, I mean, probably the, the the coolest thing was seeing the the, the design for the cover come in because because I did the cover drawing myself, yes. and then we sent off the drawing to you know have a logo put on there and, and kind of design put the comics all the logo have the cover design by Cindy uh, Long who did uh-huh. the the cover design and. Um, having that come back and, and, and seeing my name and the logo for the first time. I think I sat like looking at it for like an hour because at first I was like, well, I don't know, you know, maybe I want to change this about the logo, but I just sat looking at it and being like, I, I, I like it. This is good. I don't want to change anything about it. Mm-hmm. So that was, and, a I, have, moment. and I have to say it, the co- it's very, it's a very, it's, it's a very nice cover because it captures to me, to me, it captures everything of what, um of who jim is you know it's really nice it really is you know yeah again in the back of the book you can see all the different cover sketches that i did yes mm-hmm. the, the preliminary one and i have a few where he's kind of looking a little more epic mm-hmm. like really ready to fight but i didn't i thought that's 
I, I don't know that having that on the cover wouldn't necessarily show who the character is, or I guess his his struggle. Mm, so yes. I wanted to have him just looking really exhausted. Yes. You know, in in his his you know boxing, uh, you know his boxing gloves and shorts and everything. Yes. In this belfry, but but just looking completely wiped out. I thought that yes. was interesting to have on the cover. No, and it's great. It's perfect. Um, let's see. Already, you already mentioned um, Cindy Leong and um, no, okay. So Cindy Leong was the uh, she designed the cover. Is that correct? Or helped you design? The yeah, she she designed the logo for mm -hmm. the book and also the inside cover pages. Okay. So like, um, you open the book and 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 the back matter too. Yeah, oh, she, okay. So she did all all of that. Mm -hmm. And I was really happy with that, how that came out. I like how it's all blue. I have a blue book. <laughs> yes. And then, um, and, and also too, um, you've already mentioned Allison O'Toole as your editor. I'm just going to ask, do you want to add, add anything more to Allison? You want to, you know, any extra shout outs to her or anything? Or I mean, yeah, she, she was a huge help. I, I, I hope I get to, to keep working with her in the future. Mm -hmm. Like having the, the book is definitely a lot better for having her on there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then um, Xavier, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this. Was that now? And and I'm sure you you, you met, and I know you mentioned it throughout the um, the uh, interview. Is that well, like as I mentioned, that you're the writer, you're the artist. You also did the colors too, as well. Is that correct? And the inking as well. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, yeah, the colors and the inking as well. That that was mostly just so I could because because if you if you um, Kind of give these jobs to other people you have to pay them for it. Oh, yeah, so this no, way yeah. i got to keep more of the advanced money <laughs> so so that, that was a but i i didn't take into account how long it would take so i might have actually saved money if i got you know colorists yeah. inkers to actually do this who, who do it all the time rather mm -hmm. than me struggling through it in photoshop mm -hmm. I, I might have actually saved money and time but it was an experience i'm glad i got to do all of that because you know you should try doing all that stuff if you're a comic creator, just to have a better understanding of what all the different jobs are. That's true. Yes. And I have to yeah. say, I love the colors um, in this story. It, it, it's, 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 I'm not an artist. I'm not a colorist, but it, it's just very nice to look at. It really, you know, it really is. Um, it, um, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say, but like I said, I love the colors in this. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I think Allison mentioned that she she like the colors were originally what what drew her to the project, which is interesting because that's I, I did them in a very like um, methodic sort of way. Like I, I it was like I did them the same for every page, basically. Oh, okay. Like a lot of colors, like to change things up with with the palettes and stuff. But I just did everything in local color, so just mm -hmm. the color that the object actually is. And then I threw on some sort of like overlay to, mm -hmm. to you know, change the mood of the scene. Yes. So I was basically doing it in the way to save as much time and work as possible. But yeah, I got a couple of people say they like the colors, which is nice. Yes. And then um, be before I start um, asking, you know, a few more questions, the other thing I wanted to mention was one of the other things I loved about your books, not only the um, heavy how how well you handled the heavy subject matter but um but you know the um i think him and i think his daughter um e emily is his daughter mm -hmm. 
you know, their apartment yep. felt lived in. It, you know, it, it just, to me, it just felt lived in. When Jim is walking in his neighborhood, it, it just felt, it just felt really lived in. It's really nice, you know, and, um, you know, and literally took the, um, the, um, and again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I love, you know, the last few pages where I think it started to snow and it just, it just felt, um, uh, yeah, like I said, it just felt the art is really nice. It's, you know, you know, that this is a lived in world. It's really like, I could relate to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That uh, having real, you know, streets and buildings and my actual apartment to work off was mm -hmm. definitely helpful for that. If it was more realistic, I probably would have put more like dead leaves and bridge and snow on the ground for January, which is when the book takes place. I think there maybe should have been a little more snow. <laughs> I don't think he could have been walking around in a, in a sweater in, in, in Montreal in like negative 40. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I could have added a little more dirt and grime. But uh, definitely having the real location was helpful and yeah the mm -hmm. inside of their apartment i mean it was all my stuff mm -hmm. it's like my couch my like you see they have their tv propped on like a bin like not even a tv stand because yeah. that's what i had <laughs> well um but that's but i have to say it's nice that um you know it's it it it, it but the thing like i said it worked you know like you said these are you know like you said this is pictures of my apartment this is what it looked like but it worked because it, it because it felt like I said it felt grounded. It really did, you know. So yeah, like I said, it's 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 very good. It's a great it's a great story. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad it feels grounded. Yeah. I'm going to ask, um, and and if you don't know, that's fine. But do you know when this might be coming out, like in printed trade? Um, I don't know exactly. I I, I asked. You know the people at Comicsology kind of went around. I could expect it, and it looks yeah. like it's still going to be a while. So probably okay. not for at least another year, uh, oh. and then and then maybe after that we'll see it in print. Hopefully, yeah, no, and, you know, okay. yeah, I, but but not uh, 2023. I don't think. Okay, right. And I'm just going to remind listeners again. You know, it's available on Comicsology right now. Um, and I think, and I have always said this, one of the things I love about um, digital comics right now is that literally you can get it anywhere in the world as long as you have internet access. I, that, that's, that's, I think, one of the amazing things right now. You know, if, yeah, you know. I, I read a lot of digital comics, definitely. Yeah. It's nice to just uh, save space too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Now, I've always, now I know listeners have heard in previous interviews, but in this Sony and audio, but as Xavier can see, I have boxes of comics I still have to read. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple long boxes. Um, okay, I'm gonna slowly start wrapping things up, Xavier. Um, are there any characters um you would like to write for? You know, anything from Marvel, image, um, you know. Um I don't really know. I, I'm not sure I'm equipped to write like superheroes. I, I like superhero comics, but mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know a lot about their, their various histories and things. That would mm -hmm. be very daunting to, to kind of jump into that. Mm -hmm. But I'd probably draw a couple of them. If somebody want, wanted to write the story and I could draw some of them, I would do a 
always been a big fan of Daredevil. Ah. I like Daredevil. Or maybe just some some like um really obscure character that nobody cares about. So if I mess it up, it's okay. But um no, but actually I'm just I'm don't don't Xavier, don't take this the wrong way and this is a little bit off the cuff. Um I'm saying is that um even if it's an obscure character, what's kind of cool is that um you um it, it you can have your own little freedom of doing what you want and if it catches on it catches on big you know? yeah it seems like those obscure characters sometimes get the best you know get the best runs because there's not as much um i guess a character like spider-man or something that can be maybe a little afraid to do something totally different with it Yes, because it has such a huge fan base. But with a character that isn't as popular, like I'm thinking of, like Animal Man, yeah. from Grant Morrison. Yes, you know they can just do something completely different and weird with it. Oh yes, yeah. All right. Um, is there a certain genre you know that you would like to um, work in? Um, a certain comic genre that you want to work in in sometime in the future. Um, I'd like to, yeah, uh, I'd like to try any, any, any genre. I, I'm a big fantasy fan, so I'd like to do something, something fantasy, sword and sorcery. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably what I'd like to do the most. Ah, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, I'm slowly wrapping things up. You know, um, I, I, I know creators can't talk about future projects, but I'm going to ask, will we see more of your work in the, in the future? Uh, I hope so. Yes. <laughs> I mean, even, even if they're, I can't get it published through, through a known publisher, I'll, I would want to put something out, even if it's just for free online. I don't like the idea of going too long without putting out something else. So oh, okay. yeah, should, should be seeing more of me at some point. All right. That's nice. All right. Now, you know, what was the most fun or exciting thing that you love working on, you know, on night of the, night at the belfry uh probably the most exciting part is the beginning where you're really passionate about the idea mm -hmm. and you're just spitting out all these yeah all, all these ideas you have for the story and um really kind of working out and fine-tuning the you know the actual beats of the of the story and, and taking it from this really messy concept and just refining it into something that really works mm -hmm. and then after that it's it's just a lot of work. You at that point, you just have to stick with it and 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 do the work. It's not necessarily going to be as exciting after that, mm -hmm. but um, I think it'll still be a lot of fun. Like I like inking a lot. Mm -hmm. You really get to see the page come together. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So maybe that's my my favorite drawing part is inking. All right. Um, have you and your family been to Hawaii? I I have not personally been to Hawaii. My dad lived in Hawaii for a little bit I want to say in um this would have been a couple decades ago I don't I, I don't have a lot of information on this I wish I knew more but I, he, he lived or stayed in Hawaii for for some time in maybe the 80s or early 90s so wow. mm -hmm. that's all I know but, but oh. he, he loves Hawaii so <laughs> I think he wants to go back at some point all right um final question um any closing words to our listeners um thank thank you for listening
to the end of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you very much. Now, Xavier, I want to wish you all the success with Night at the Belfry. Um, mahalo. Thank you in Hawaii. Thank you very much for your, your time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. I also want to thank Pamela of Superfan Promotions for help setting up this interview. Again, Pamela, thank you very much. Now, if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out Xavier's original graphic novel, Night at the Belfry. It is now available on Comixology. You know, it's a great story. It really is. Um, you know, it's a great slice of life story that deals with heavy themes, you know, um, and it's and and as you've heard, you know, throughout the, the interview, it to me, it's drawn beautifully. It is, especially the church. You know, it's 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 like I say, it's very magnificently drawn. Um, I want to thank Drew, the coast of comics for fun and profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha. As you know, our LCS is Cowabunga Comics, Lake Country's Wisconsin's best pop culture destination for new comics back issues, gaming, retro video games, vinyl, and figures. Give them a call, 262-569-9999. Check them out online at kawabungacomics.com or follow them on Twitter, at Incredicow. Um, they are our LCS, and we utilize their deep discount mail order service to bring Walk, Wisconsin closer to us. They'll take care of you. Tell them Drew and Kyle sent you. Say hi to Eric and James from us. If you need an LCS, you can't go wrong with Cowabunga Comics.